Scotty, Scotty, it's time to put on your headphones and come record with me. Scotty, Scotty, don't try to ignore me. Our listener's been waiting for a long, long time. Oh, Scotty, Scott, I have a lot of nonsense to spew on air today. Oh, Scotty, Scott, what have you got? To say to our unlucky listener now. Well, John, I don't know whether to be uh, pleased that you chose something from my favourite opera, Carmen, or just be offended by how badly you butchered it. (laughs) I did not badly butcher it. I paid great homage to it and I had, you know, an extra few seconds to work on it since you, like, you know, pushed me off for an hour and a half. Or an hour and a quarter. You're good. You you, you held the melody quite well. I'm, I'm not sure what key you were in, but you held the melody quite well. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I think you were in many keys along the way, but uh, it's you're not one to um, have any. Uh, you know, we're um, we definitely go for key diversity on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scotty, I promise that I have a lot of nonsense to spew today. Can I start spewing some nonsense? Uh, well, uh, can. But you can start. First first of all, we need to get we need first of all we need to get an update on your laptop because last week you you were just said you know our intrepid explorer was about to go to the Apple Store and uh, and and buy himself a new laptop because he failed to have proper uh, proper um, alternatives in place. So how did all that work out for you? Oh well, it all worked out just swimmingly. So you know, I managed to get the. Well, it was kind of funny. So you know, uh, I ran off and got you know uh, uh, a hard drive. I mean, an external SSD. I can't remember whether I said that or not, whether I had already gotten that, but I did get that. Uh, And I started backing up, and it was going along just fine. It's like one of those things where it says, this is going to take 12 hours, then it's 8 hours, and then 6 hours, then 4 hours, and it keeps going down, down, then it kind of settles after it has an idea of how many, um, what the shape of the backup is going to be. But it did get to the point where I had to leave in order to go to to, to make it to the Apple Store in Burlingame, um, which is about 15, 20 miles away. Um, and that was the first appointment I could get. So, uh, I just basically, <laughs> luckily I had put the, uh, uh, I had put the hard drive into, I mean, rather I'd made it so that uh, time machine would back up even while on battery power. You have to specify to do that. You can't do it in mid, in mid flow. I came to learn, um, cause I actually tested before I started the backup. Uh, and then, uh, so I just basically, you know, took my laptop kind of didn't close the lid, but made sure it was still, uh, backing up. And I will say that I wouldn't have done this with a spinning hard drive, but with an SSD, no problem. So I'm gingerly walking my laptop down Cesar Chavez to get to, get to my car, put it in the back seat, and away I drove. And I think, okay, this is good because in the ensuing time it will take for me to get there, the backup should finish. And, uh, I got out and I'm putting the laptop laptop on the on the the the, the top of the car and meanwhile people are honking it's like get the fuck out of the road what are you doing it's like ah, i have an emergency laptop thing they, I don't, no one cared and i walked into the apple store and then i was greeted you know suffusive effusively by by three people there and i got to pick which one would then shove me off to the back for my genius appointment and so then finally i put it down there and i lifted up the cover and i saw that the screen was completely black and i was like fuck <laughs> I mean, uh, that is a concerning situation. 
So anyway, uh, the guy came over and, and I explained what was going on. It's like, oh, no problem. You know, I'll tell you what, let me go get a monitor and I'll plug it in. You know, if the if the monitor has been, if the screen is, is it was already bad, maybe it's just kind of given up the ghost, but the, the, the external thing will work fine. So he plugs in an HDMI monitor. And indeed, after a couple of coughs and snorts, the, my screen comes up and it shows that I still have like five more minutes for the backup to complete. So he says, well, okay, while that's happening, why don't I go find out, you know, where I might find a spare uh, screen? Um, and so he does. And then finally it comes back and he explains that, uh, you know, the, the thing has to be sent out um, because they don't have the exact type of screen they needed. And uh, so, you know, in the meantime, he said, well, you can buy a laptop and uh, you can return it, no questions asked, uh, in 14 days. In fact, you know, uh, because you're a nice person, you explain the, the situation, you can have 30 days. So, in fact, I <laughs> came back with a, a laptop, which I temporarily purchased, um, and uh, I have word that my new machine is, is available. I'm not going to get it today. I'll do it on Friday. But basically, I was able to restore from uh, my time machine backup in about an hour and a half because I also had to upgrade the the laptop to the latest version of Mac OS Serenity now or whatever the fuck it is um, because time machine backups are matched to the operating system apparently. Who knew? So uh, I've been happily productive ever since. You know, it works. It works amazingly well. It's still basically, you know, even when you switch to a fresh one, there are a little bit of nits here and there. Like I was panicking because when I went to to go, you know, check out using Git, it said enter the passphrase for your for your RSA key, and I'm like, uh. <laughs> and I put one in, and it wasn't the right one. I was like, oh fuck! And, you know, I thought that was supposed to be restored. I'm not supposed to have to remember this. And I was really panicking, but uh, I used the the right passcode. It's one that I stopped using a while ago, but it magically worked. And I found out that there is a way to configure um, the passcode for your shared keys, and the one that's used by SSH. Um, you can have it use keychain on Mac. So I haven't figured that, I haven't configured it, but it is technically possible. And that might be a good thing to do because that was really the only thing that I had to do in order to, to get productive again. Um, and so I've been happily developing ever since and uh, I'm pretty pleased so far. Well, there we are. That's, so it's good, it's good to start the, uh, start the episode with a, um, a happy story because last, last week was a tale of woe and this week is a tale of joy. So, um, okay, thanks for the update, John. Now, now, now tell me what you actually wanted to tell me. Uh, well, so <laughs> it's a tale of amusement and a happy ending, but it is a, a tale of amusement. So uh, I take a shuttle to, to go to the office three days a week and um, I kind of have the, my, my route and everything. Thank you for pouring out beer. You're drinking beer while I'm, I'm talking right now? It's, it's a soft drink. Oh, Honest. Sure. <laughs> okay, fine. Anyway, um, so uh, I have it timed down to a second. I just, people do, morning routines and everything. But as it turns out, uh, the parking lot of our building has been sold and they've covered it with fences. They're going to start some construction soon so I can no longer cut through the parking lot. And so my timing has been off a little bit and I had to get to the office yesterday. I couldn't miss my shuttle and I was off by a couple of minutes. And so I figured, okay, no problem. I'll just go grab a lift bike. And I, I've done that before. Um, but I've also had the occasion where I took one of the plane lift bikes and arrived and then realized that they'd moved the, the, the docking station. So it wasn't right next to the shuttle anymore. It was kind of a, a block or two away. So I got there. I'm like, fuck, I mean, uh, gosh, this is a difficult situation. 
So I asked a colleague of mine saying, you know, if the shuttle comes, throw yourself down in front of it, act like you're injured and kind of delay. And I promise I'll be back. And then you can make a miraculous recovery. And she says, sure. <laughs> she didn't have to do that. She didn't seem convinced, but I managed to make it back in time. So that had happened before. So, you know, when, it, when I had to do the whole thing again on Monday, I figured no problem, but usually I like to take the electric bikes because you can dock them anywhere, but uh, no such electric bike was available. There was one, you know, old-fashioned bike, and I said, I'm going to be smart, and I'm going to verify that there is an actual docking station uh, available because that can happen all the time. There was one, so off I went, hurry, hurry, hurry to get there. Um, and I get to the docking station. There's one spot left, and I said, okay, this is great. I have a minute or two to spare. Let me dock the bike. And I do it, and it doesn't engage. It doesn't lock. It's like, okay, I'm, a, I'm an experienced, you know, <laughs> bike share user. I know that there are tricks. You can lift it up. You can do this. Every little bike share system in different cities has these little weird things you sometimes have to do to get it to dock. Using all my experience, all combinations of brute force and stupidity, I was not able to lock the bike. And I said, all right, I got to go. So I just take a picture of it. It's showing exactly where it was. And there's a geocode. It's like, no problem. I got it covered. I'll just hop on the shuttle. And while I'm doing that, I'll use the Lyft app to report the fact that I couldn't dock the bike. And so I go to use the app. And then it says, take a picture. And it's like, okay, great. I tap on that. And then I discovered they did not enable the feature for actually, you know, selecting a picture from the library, just taking a live picture. You have to do it at the moment. It's like, all right, well, whatever. So I add that to my list of annoyances and I'm sitting there composing the letter, saying, you know, the email, the message, whatever, saying that the, here's the situation. I said, I'm on a shuttle. The bike is here. You know, I, I can't get it, but it is there. And, and since Lyft regularly has to go around and service their bikes, I figured this is not the first time in the world it's happened. I went to great pains to say it is is a mechanical problem. I'm not an idiot. I know how to dock a bike. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the Lyft app and it's comical because it's showing me tooling down 280 at 60 miles an hour on a bike. <laughs> In fact, the, the blue dot is advancing and then the bike goes to catch up. It just looks, I, I made a screen movie. It's so damn funny. It looked like I was like, like this bike is racing the shuttle. And finally, I, you know, I get to the office and meanwhile, the distance traveled and the cost is going up. So I, I arrive at work. <laughs> And I currently have a, you know, at that point, it's showing that I've I've traveled 42 miles in 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 under an hour, and that you know my bill for doing that so far is like twenty dollars. Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> okay, it's just getting more and more funny. So then I start, you know, I didn't hear back from them, so I I went to another mechanism to communicate with Lyft, and then I get back this, you know, auto-generated. <laughs> flowery paragraphs about how devoted they are to customer service and they're so tar terribly sorry that, that I'm having a, a bad time and that, you know, no problem. All I have to do is just go dock the bike. <laughs> it was like it was useless information after they, they clearly did not read through it or their AI didn't do it or the guy who's doing it in, 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 in Kuala Lumpur didn't care about it. So finally, you know, meanwhile, I'm watching the bill going up and going up. And then I, I said, well, I have to keep on this because I don't want the, the bike to be stolen because that in theory i would be responsible for that so it keeps going back and forth the guy says again it's like you know we're terribly sorry we're following this closely you need to dock the bike and for your you know for your assistance i've gone up and looked where the nearest biking dock station biking whatever docking station is for your bike well as it turns out, you know, 15 miles away from the office or, you know, there's other bike stations I can use in San Jose <laughs> that I can dock the bike at. And I kind of had to explain to them once again, it's like, dude, 
I'm in fucking Los Gatos. I'm way away. The bike's not with me. My phone is with me. You've been tracking me on the phone, which is already something kind of obnoxious. And so no joy. And then I had to get on with my day. Finally, it comes time to the afternoon. By that time, the bill was at like $75 or whatever. And I get back on the shuttle, and the same thing happens, only in reverse. And the funny thing is, is that the mileage is going down. So I, I had gone 42 <laughs> miles, and now I'm going 30 and 20 until finally I get to zero miles. And I, and, 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 and I finally managed to get back to where it was. By this time, I'm so pissed off. I'm like documenting. I'm like, you know, taking footage of me in the shuttle and then having the, the screen recorder showing the, the the bike following me and then i kind of have footage of me going to the the docking station finding the bike there thankfully and then moving it and again trying to, to to dock it just to make sure nope doesn't work at all there was a free spot next door you know right next to it at that time put it in there no problem nothing went that locks up right away and then push notification <laughs> your bike ride cost 108 dollars but you saved 450 by being a lift pink <laughs> customer or whatever so finally i said like i was like oh this is great <laughs> so i finally said again i said don't you dare try to charge me for this as i have amply documented in video and elsewhere this is a mechanical problem i want a refund right away and they said oh yes of course you know, three paragraphs of flowery thing, but yes, we will get to it. And in five to seven days, you'll have a refund. And I was like, fuck that. You know, I'm going to raise hell with this, but I checked, you know, and it actually had been returned right away. And so, uh, I have now spent, you know, an hour dealing with it during the day and a couple of minutes now, and I have all this great footage. And, of course, the the William Tell Overture is the perfect soundtrack for this. So I am, you know, before the end of the day, in time for me to send you the show notes, I will construct a beautiful video, which I will share widely on social media because the shit was just so dumb. In fact, I shared it at work, and a guy said, oh, yeah, I know somebody who lifts actually does testing. This is a great use case. Can I send it to him? I was like, yes, please do. Anyway, that was my tell. Was that was that some some trash to spew or what? So that's interesting. The bike they're totally relying on the bike, the, the the phone being the tracking device and not the bike itself. Well, that's the case for the old analog bikes. And I and and I mm. at that moment I was thinking it's like that's kind of weird because you know typically you know for these type of things in general I don't like location tracking in the background unless there's a damn good reason I don't think you know Lyft or or other apps should know where I am unless I'm actively using it and in this particular case I'm not really actively using the Lyft app why I should and it's known and as if I launched the Lyft app it knows where it is it's checking in on me so all the time I was doing it so that 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 kind of seemed type of shitty I guess the reason it makes sense because the analog bikes themselves, they may have an identifier or something like an air tag, but I wouldn't expect them to have real-time powered transmitters to do it. Um, so I was a little bit miffed. Well, there we are. Yeah. A story of um, poor support, bad technology, and um, a woeful um, user case. There we are. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we said it was going to be a happy day. <laughs> No, no. It, 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 truth be told, it was happy to the extent that it was just funny. And I, you know, I, truth be told, I, I use Lyft kind of regularly, and I like them, and I've been using them since forever. But you know, ever since I guess it was I, I can't remember which, but there was one version of iOS when then all of a sudden mapping became a whole lot better. And I've, I have like screen movies of recordings I'm, you know, making of the Lyft app, where for instance the driver, you know, it says the route that the, the driver's going to take, and then sometimes they go comically 
basically off route. And sometimes you can kind of see it's like they said, fuck it. I'm just going to go get high instead. I'm not <laughs> you just pass a jerk and can <laughs> suck it. And then a new one comes in. So it is really funny to see that. And I think that they're a perfectly fine company and, and they, they, they're their biking system, you know, the reality is, is it's a monopoly. You know, they acquired it from someone else. And in every major city, there's some type of bike share service. And some are owned municipally. Others are, are owned mix of municipally and sponsored like Santander, I guess, is a bank in London that has theirs. And this one, it was originally kind of sponsored by Ford and then Lyft picked it up. And I presume that Lyft actually makes money doing it because there are many times when an electric bike will get you around town faster than a car possibly can because of traffic. And if you're going to get groceries or something and it's a meaning, you know, a reasonable amount, it's a, a very nice thing to do. And, and I happily pay three, four, five dollars to be able to rent a Lyft electric bike for a short thing. And so it makes sense. It's actually it's green. It's good and wonderful. So I don't want to be too mean to Lyft when I do this, but it is comical. It certainly is. So in this time, John, when you've not been having to deal with uh, bicycles, have you had any uh, fun software adventures of your own this week? Well, and in fact, I have. So uh, I have to be ginger about what I say and what I can't say. So I can't say what I'm doing it for. But, you know, we have a messaging system um, and the messaging system allows us to, to, to send, you know, uh, data with layout instructions in, in a structured format. Um, and it happens to be JSON. So, you know, uh, and the amount of, of JSON text, you know, to be able to describe a layout and all the different things that may go on it, like buttons, links, things, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, it, it could be kind of, uh, it's a fair amount if you want to have all the different possibilities needed for it. And I have occasion to do something where I want to use, I want to reuse some code on a project I'm working on. Um, so uh, there is a layout system that already exists for creating the layout from the structured data. And uh, that's already, I already see that working. And then I want to use that same mechanism to be able to show some additional screens. But the message in that particular case, in, 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 uh, I'm creating them programmatically. And so uh, the way that the code already works is that it's, you know, it, it does JSON decoding and, 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 while it's parsing, you know, while it's decoding the, the JSONs, kind of setting the values and, and essentially converts JSON into a bunch of Swift structs, which is great. And so I figure, okay, what's the easiest way for me to, to do this mechanism? And I thought through some different ways. I, I, I think I've landed on what I am going to do, but I've considered different options, one of which is to basically include some, some JSON templates in there. And I thought, well, do I really want to do that? I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, if I can avoid doing it, I think I can avoid doing it because basically with structs in general, you know, you can, if it's very easy to basically take JSON, convert it into to these things, you just have to make the properties. And in most cases, it just works nicely. But if you're creating them, creating them programmatically, um, you kind of have to then set default values or it becomes, it becomes rather tedious to be able to say, well, there are six or seven or eight properties just to do this one thing. And in fact, the difference between one instance of it and another one is like maybe the change in text or slight change in color, whereas the other ones are all boilerplate. And that's kind of a general problem. I think a serious thing that I've noticed is that, um, many apps that, you know, they work with structured data that comes to the server. And if you're using GraphQL or other such things, you have a well-defined schema and there's all sorts of code generation mechanisms that given a schema you create once, you can auto-generate the, 
the 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 decoders for it um, and and it's it's a tedious thing but if you define the schema once you kind of get that done for free uh, in this particular instance it's it's not using that mechanism um, so there it was fairly tedious where you know the, the the guy who wrote it before me did that and I don't think they had ever anticipated it being used where you would generate the structs programmatically for for use you know um, versus you know decoding them from JSON so uh, I will. I think I have my idea of how I'm going to try to do it, and I'm plan on doing that today, so I can keep progress on this. Um, but that's the thing that's been occupying me for the last day or two. Cool. Yeah. Cool. We we. <laughs> it's about you. Basically, you've said you've got these problems. You think you know how you're going to solve it, but you can't yeah. tell us what the problem is and how you're going to solve it fully yet. But you might yes. be able to one day. So you're you're sort of like. You've just given us a trailer for a future episode, really, haven't you? Something like that, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but like a bit more of the trailer, a teaser. A teaser, yes. Yeah, with a few, you know, where you see a few scenes, but there we are. So we've been um, having to look at sync issues still in Manuel. We're still in beta testing, and obviously yeah, the nice thing is about beta testing is the people who often actively beta test are real sort of like, um, yeah, they're really keen users. That often means they're power users. That often means they're using you know, features that other people may not be, which does mean you get things tested, which is good. Um, it also means that they find bugs and you um, have to work out how to fix them. We have a uh, you know, particular issue this week that uh, Matt has been working on, actually, that, um, you know, uh, obviously Moneywell was originally written as a standalone app because... You know, the concept of you know, uh, syncing didn't really exist before the iPhone. And then we all know when the iPhone came along, um, you know, sync became this huge thing that was a huge topic in the um, uh, in the world for, you know, three, four, five years. No one was really getting it right. So lots of different technologies were out there. Everybody was writing some sort of sync framework that was going on. Um, and in the end, you know, syncing didn't really get solved that well. Uh, what happened is everyone just decided to have, you know, that, you know, data on the device was a thing of the past and everyone stuck data on their servers. And then you don't have to sync if you only have one set of data or you can always go back to the server to pick up the truth or whatever it might be. Um, so, but, you know, syncing uh, is there and we use ensembles, which is, which is, which is pretty good, but, you know, apps that have been written to to basically be standalone apps don't always, um, you know, do things that work well with the fact that there may be other apps, uh, you know, connected to the same synced data. So um, an example might be in Moneyworld, we have uh, the concept of um, regular transactions and they get triggered um, based on, you know, a set of criteria that you set up and you know it might be that uh, you know you have a regular transaction that's the first tuesday of every month and so within moneywell there is this code that sort of triggers that uh you know it doesn't matter how it triggers but it just says he says oh wait a minute it's the first tuesday of the month i will create this transaction now obviously if you've got um, if you've just got, uh, and this just happens on the Mac, if you've got the Mac and you've got a couple of iPhones, that's fine. It all works. But if you're actually syncing, as some people do, between two Macs, because it might be a, you know, a, um, you know, a person and their partner share a budget, and they um, they both keep it on their Macs. You know, you you don't want both Macs um, 
uh, firing off and creating those transactions. And the way that MoneyWell used to deal with this when it used to sink in the past, um, and yes, this sounds ridiculous, and it is ridiculous, but it was really, you know, one of the few ways of doing it, is whenever you uh, it came along to say, oh, I need a, 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 um, a, a scheduled transaction, it would create a random length timer. Uh, and then at the end of that random length timer, it would create the transaction. The idea being that if it um, uh, um, if it uh, if if another Mac was open and whatever else, then it did one in the meantime. It would sync and it would spot it and not happen. And yeah, but it, as you can see, that is that is fairly hazardous. And you know, you're relying on the sync mechanism being very fast and always working. And the reality is, MoneyWell doesn't need sync to be instant if you put a transaction in your phone now if it doesn't appear on your mac for you know 10 15 seconds it it doesn't really matter we're not dealing with live data as such but in the instance where you're looking to you know stop two copies of money while they're open and now obviously you would expect every you know the days of um the the time on a laptop being out are sort of gone because they all keep in touch through central time servers and whatever else. Um, so you you know with this issue now. So and it's at that point that you think, well, you know, how, how do you control that? And obviously, you could say, well, we're going to say, you know, we're going to write a flag to say that this is this transaction has been created, but then you're still relying on the sync to have happened whatever else so we've been one of the unique selling points of i guess if you want to call it of money well is that we never have your data um so we never have your financial data it's only ever on your own ecosystem yes apple has your data but that's on icloud that's encrypted it's only your account it, it never leaves however in this instance having a a server to coordinate this stuff would be really useful so we're looking at the moment into how to have a a back end of some form uh where we can hold some control data to control certain things so that uh syncing and and you know things like scheduled transactions can do a check on the server to see if they've been run before without our server ever having um had you know, known about your data, which is pretty easy because within every every object within um, uh, uh, MoneyWell's uh, database, it has a um, a field within the object which is the unique key that we use for syncing, and that's what's based. That's the that is the uh, the reference for syncing because you cannot use the core data object ID because that is different within each you know core data database on different machines we've had a problem with that this week as well which i might tell you about in a minute um so really it's not you know it's it's not that you know it's it's not really revealing someone's data to basically have a, a back-end database somewhere that says you know this guid and a date and it can check if that scheduled transaction 
you know, when it was last initiated and when it does it written back. And you don't even need to separate it the way people have user accounts because, you know, by the very nature that it's a, a UUID, it's, it's unique, it's universal. Um, so, you know, everybody's control data can just go into one big pot. And if somebody accidentally saw that data, what are they going to see? They're going to see, you know, 5,000, 10,000, whatever, 100,000 uh, UUIDs and a set of dates or whatever else, and, and that's all they're going to be. And yet that brings us into a situation where we can control it. So we're sort of saying, you know, and I think we're still being honourable to we never see your data. We don't. We never have any of your financial data. We never have any of your name or anyone else on our server. But uh, it just solves a whole bunch of hackery and problems. So that's what we've been looking at this week. Of course, we've now got to implement it and uh, and, and look at how that works. Um, and that's adding to our timescales. But I think in the end of the day, it will be more stable. Wow, Scotty, that is a triumphant orchestra- orchestration of ensembles. Yes, and it's it's just because basically, you know, it's their standalone apps that are trying to sync data and they're all doing their thing. But it's, you know, so you're working with a different set of problems. And the thing I was saying about uh, object IDs being different on different machines. So when you sync up... Uh, um, a uh, objects, you know, uh, core data objects using ensembles. Um, it keeps them in sync, but again, it uses this unique identifier that you can declare. Um, you have to tell ensembles which field it is. You can use whichever field you like, um, and it will. It uses that to decide if you know records are the same or not the same. Um, uh, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, uh, as it goes through, and but the actual object IDs themselves within the database that core data uses will be different. Um, and so this has caused a problem for us in syncing as well by the fact that within ManyWire you can have um, smart filters uh, that a user can set up to say, you know, um, I want a filter that just shows me all the transactions that are more than £100 in the automobile budget. Um, so the, you know, the automobile bucket, as it would be in, in, in ManyWire. And the way Moneywell has been dealing with those historically is it saves them as predicates um, so that it just reruns those whenever you click on that smart filter in, in the um, uh, the sidebar within Moneywell. It just applies the predicate. It just uses the predicate to create a object query and display everything for you. Uh, and, you know, for a lot of smart filters, that's fine. Um, you know, show me all transactions over five hundred pounds. Fine. Um, oh, it's fine. The trouble is when you when you create and save a predicate that deals with an individual record. So, for example, show me everything in the bucket for automobile transactions. Um, the way that predicates within Core Data save themselves is it will get the object ID of that bucket, budget category, and Mm -hmm. save that in the predicate. But, of course, and that gets saved, that gets synced across to another machine. But, of course, on the other machine, that object ID may be something else, in which case you get a smart filter that does something funny. Or, as happens most likely, it doesn't exist at all and... You know, with the current state of the app, it just crashes because it doesn't, you know, it, it, there is no, you know, facility for that. So, uh, you know, and this has been Matt working on this this week. So we, we're having to implement this sort of like predicate mangling system 
that sort of uh, uh, detects when that is in there and puts our own sort of scheme into the predicate um, to to say what it should be, and then you know on the other end when it demangles the predicate to um, to put it out again. So this is the joy of uh, you know um, core data sync and keeping people's data on their own thing. But it will be worth it in the end. We keep telling ourselves, keep telling yourself that, and it's probably true. Wow, Scotty. So Are we, you still awake after all that core data stuff? No one cares about core data anymore. No one cares well, about data on the local machine. Everybody just ask, thinks it's on a server now. I guess that's true. I, I, I honestly was going to ask you that. And, and, and you remember how I told you that, uh, you know, uh, the, the video editing app I use, Splice, keeps its data on the server. And it can be kind of annoying. It just means that, it, you know, you can't edit a composition offline if the data is not cached. And oftentimes it's not. So I'm on the shuttle and I hit the dead spot on, on 280 where nobody's, you know, where there is no mobile data. Um, and it's kind of annoying. So, you know, having data on the server is not always perfect either. And so then if you have caching, then you have to deal with this kind of stuff that you're experiencing. And so we, we the, the power users of software, appreciate the effort you and Tat Mancock are putting into this. Go, go forcefully solve the solution, solve the problem. We're working on the basis. I mean, we're a small company and, you know, the sort of numbers you have to sell software for, so, you know, software no, sort of numbers of people you have to sell software to in a small company uh, at first to the individual sounds large, but actually in the context when you look at a, you know, a lot of bigger software, you know, are tiny. You know, um, a, a, a small software company can survive by selling tens of thousands of copies or maybe even thousands of copies if it's subscription um of, of of software whereas you know people like netflix obviously are relying on millions and hundreds of millions of, of users to make their business model work um yeah we're pretty much working on the uh the basis that we're dealing with finance people's personal finances there is going to be a significant enough minority of people who want to do home budgeting that also don't want to give their data to someone else. And Barky totally agrees with me. So I, I think that we have to respect the fact that Barky, the failure dog, has said, y'all have been going on too long. It's time to bring bring this bring this to a conclusion. Well, I actually think if we put the Barky video into Captionista, it's going to say, hey, Scotty, shit, you're so right, man. <laughs> Is that what's going to say? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to say, fucker, put some damn food in my bowl. <laughs> That is probably more like it. <laughs> that is probably more. Well, there, John, I've obviously bored you to the point that you need to disappear. So, um, John, if other people wish to bore you, where can they do it? Uh, they can do. They can. They can talk to me on the place where the conversations, the discussion may end up being recounted in a congressional testimony by Mudge. <laughs> I have to put that in the show notes. You, um, that really was appointment TV for nerds. We can probably talk about it next week. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter where all fun discourse takes place, uh, uh, where I'm Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And, Scotty, if people if people like <clears throat> Georg want to be mean to somebody else other than me, uh, where might they, they find you? Well, John, they can do it at the place where all conversation is about as intelligible and useful as Barky's last diatribe. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that is Twitter. <laughs> where you can bark at me anytime you like, where I am Mac Devnet. 
Well, John, uh, I, I think we've uh, we've um, wowed ourselves out, out this week. But uh, uh, you know, we started with you know opera that was based on war and death and deceit <laughs> and revolution, and then we lightened the mood with singing. <laughs> And bikes that fail to go into their locks. So there we are. We took we 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 started low and we took it to a pinnacle of uh, amazingness. <laughs> Something like that. Oh dear, there we are. Well, whoever was listening this week, <laughs> um, if you have to sing Cordata or ride a bike to work, then you may be better off this week. Otherwise, we apologise for taking up the last half hour of your life. <laughs> Until next time. Thanks for you listening. Take, and you take care. All right. Thank you.